This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. Hey, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt, and this is Jessica, and she's giggling, which is great. Um, (laughs) Better than a couple minutes ago. Welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Apparently, we have jumpstarted Jessica. Yes. And it's Monday, and we're excited uh, for Exodus chapter 4. What's been going on? Do you have a book recommendation? I'm not seeing it. I sure do. It's in my mind. Um, I don't have it because I often give my books away because I read so fast and I know that I just hate buying books because I know I read so fast and I'm like, except books that I want to highlight a ton. So I did buy this book because it's amazing. It's called Nomad. Nomad, N-O-M-A-D by Chari Orozco. Chari is C-H-A-R-I and then her last name is O-R-O-Z-C-O. And she was actually one of our guest speakers at our Flourish Women's Conference last year and she was amazing. And she wrote this whole book about wilderness seasons. And I would say it was prophetic for sure, because yes, there's been wilderness seasons in the past and in our lives, and she's speaking from experience, but I believe that we have been and are in one of the craziest wilderness seasons. Like, usually people will be in them like on their own, you know, yeah. like, oh, they're in a wilderness season. I'm in the wilderness season. Yeah, or like you'll experience it like throughout your life in different times, and it's great, and God does awesome things in it, but it is. We're like in a collective wilderness season. Yeah, we're all like <laughs> together in the wilderness. <laughs> Getting on each other's nerves, like as a culture, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, this book is really good called Nomad. I would highly recommend it. Wish I had it to show you here, but it's good. Yeah, you know, in that, just thinking wilderness right now, um, in fact, I'm going to save that for our program as we talk about the word. Let's do that. Um, I'm going to talk to some things about coming out of the wilderness and kind of what that maybe even feels like. Oh, you've been doing some videos on that. Mm. They've been good. Yeah, so if you want to go to our East Coast Christian Center Facebook page or Instagram, I've made seven videos. I don't know which one has been released as of this moment because uh, someone else is releasing them for me, but it's just ideas about getting through the wilderness season. So check that out. And uh, anything else? Do you have yeah. a drink recommendation? No, your hat makes your eyes look so green. Ooh. I know, so handsome. Yes. Yeah, my drink recommendation is uh, black coffee from Starbucks. And when you order a venti, they should give you a venti. But today, they gave me a grande, <laughs> which is just not enough on days that I get up really early. So that's pro- <laughs> that's why I'm laughing now, because I'm uh, laughing. Now you have to drink poor man's coffee yeah, that so this I is- made. Hold on a second. With organic coffee, fresh ground. But, so- but it's old. Yeah, but it's okay. Made today. I'll I will drink because I drink it black was coffee. Made today. No, I know. Listen, I will drink coffee the next day out of a pot. So it's not up. old. How I know. Are you claiming it to be old. I don't know. It's brand new according to your standards. Yeah, and by the way, if you're listening on the radio, you can see us if you'd like to see <laughs> us on our East Coast app. Um, you can find our on YouTube uh, as well. On YouTube, East Coast Christian Center. We're there on Mondays. We're doing video casts, so you can see all the funny faces that Matt and I make at each other. Last Monday, my mom sent me a screenshot of you making a really funny face at me at minute four minutes and forty seconds of <laughs> of last week's program. If you'd like to check that out, yeah. So yeah. Exodus chapter four. Yep. Let's do it. Okay, and I'm gonna read to. 15 through 15. Then Moses answered the Lord and said, what if they will not believe me or take seriously what I, what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. 
Then he said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a living serpent, like the royal symbol on the crown of Pharaoh. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and grasp it by the tail. So he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. You shall do this, said the Lord, so that the elders may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has most certainly appeared to you. The Lord also said to him, put your hand into your robe where it covers your chest. So he put his hand into his robe, and when he took it out, his hand was leprous as white as snow. Then God said, put your hand into your robe again. So he put his hand back into his robe, and when when he took it out, it was restored and was like the rest of his body. If they will not believe you or pay attention to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. But if they will not believe these two signs or pay attention to what you say, you are to take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water which you take out of the river will turn into blood on the dry ground. Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I am not a man of words, eloquent or fluent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth, and will teach you what you shall say. But he said, Please, my Lord, send the message of rescue to Israel by someone else, whomever else you will choose. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled and burned against Moses. He said, Is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? I know that he speaks fluently. Also, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he'll be overjoyed. You must speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I, even I, will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you are to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if you were, if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. And by, but take this staff in your hands, and you can perform the signs with it. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. That I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, and he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say, and also about the signs he commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Ah, Amen. This is kind of why I like the Amplified translation sometimes, because it gives a little more information than Moses' wife just cut off her son's foreskin, seemingly for, like, why, you know? Like, my verses in the Amplified says... 
Now it happened at the lodging place that the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him, making him deathly ill because he had not circumcised one of his sons, which was something that the Lord commanded in Genesis 17. And it refers to that. So because he was being punished in this way for being disobedient, his wife took it upon herself to make things right. And she took care of business. <laughs> Literally. Yep. So anyway, I just had to say that because no, I think that's really good. confusing. Any no. verses uh, stick out to you? Well, before we get to verses, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit different because they're not actually coming out of wilderness here. They're coming out of slavery, actually. And, you know, wilderness isn't necessarily code for the wilderness that the Israelites went into and circled for, you know, was it 40 years yeah. uh, in the wilderness? Wilderness is code for coming out of a season where, you know, there's uh, there's less than what you expected. There's confusion. You don't know direction. Uh, you have lack of resources or, you know, it's 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 a dark, cold, not like non-producing time. OK, slavery would definitely fit into that season. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be on the darker end of that kind of season in life where you're yeah. a slave to a person or a slave to something, a sin, uh, a structure, mm-hmm. a government, whatever. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about what happens when we go into wilderness seasons. And um, we're, we've got to come out of that, right? we got to come out of that wilderness season. we got to come out of that slavery, out of that bondage. But what a lot of things we have to overcome through that, things like shame. So a lot of times you make poor decisions in the wilderness. You make poor decisions uh, under duress. And, you know, just think about the common mindset of so many people right now, just, you know, going into some social distancing and isolation for a season and combine that just with loneliness and combine that with access to the internet and access to, you know, alcohol and a lot of different things. And people are going to make a lot of poor decisions. Then do all that, remove their normal community, maybe remove church attendance for 12 weeks, uh, you know, something like that. Watch online, Zoom chats, different things that are great. But there's a lot of room for people to really be struggling. Now take that and combine that with a complete, like, racial upheaval with, you know, racism on the forefront now and people hurting and then also we're in the middle of a political year and it's the most you know divisive i've ever seen i I thought you know i thought last election was the worst i'd ever seen this is even worse in my opinion yeah um and it's to me it's worse just because so many people are hurting so many people are broken so many people are frustrated or taking that frustration out on each other. So in order to come out of the wilderness in this season, you're going to have to come out of shame, shame on yourself. And then also a lot of our response to that shame has been shame to other people. Mm -hmm. So like shame on me turns into shame on you. I'm going to shame you because it makes me feel better about myself. Because if I'm not as bad as you, then I'm I'm better. I, I feel good. And so when we're doing the shame thing, we're evaluating our life outside of grace. Grace helps us overcome shame. Mm-hmm. Grace, I can, I can give myself grace and walk away from my sin and say, yes, I've made a mistake. I'll receive that forgiveness. I'll repent. I'll get grace. I'll get mercy. I'll walk away. Yeah, there are consequences for sin. There are natural consequences. Sometimes, though, we even get mercy 
for our natural consequences, mm -hmm. God can still even provide mercy for those natural consequences. Um, sometimes we don't, though. Sometimes we have to walk those consequences out, and the Lord promises to walk with us in that season, too. And so as we walk into grace, we can kind of remove the shame of sin, because shame is a terrible teacher. It, it won't help you get out of the wilderness. It'll keep you lost. In other words, it'll keep you a slave to sin. It'll keep you in that bondage. And then grace to others helps you stop fighting with other people. Yeah. The Bible says that basically we are not at war with flesh and blood. In other words, we're not at war with each other. We're at war with principalities and powers. That would be ruling spirits, right? Principalities and powers. These are ruling spirits of bitterness, envy, greed, you know, racism, prejudice, bitterness, anger, rage, all of that, right? Fear, those ruling spirits that we would give ourselves over to sometimes, depression, all of that, right? That's what we're actually fighting against. When I'm in an argument with you, I'm not really, you're not my enemy. I'm treating you like my enemy or you're treating me like the enemy, but the enemy is actually Satan. Mm -hmm. And so grace applied to you reveals the true enemy, which is Satan. And so that's one of the things I want to highlight. And so as you see them move out of slavery, they've got to take a lot of steps and one of them is trusting God. Yeah. Moses answered, what if they don't believe in me or listen to me? The Lord said, they say, you don't know the Lord. And the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? And Moses takes his staff, a staff. The Lord says, throw it on the ground. So he throws it down on the ground. It turns into a snake. Whoa. Now grab that snake by the tail. What? Okay. Grab the snake by the tail, turns back into a staff. Mm. This is God proving to him that he is who he says he is, and that he's going to go with him. And Moses has got to be obedient to those steps. He's got to listen to the voice of God, and he's got to follow him. Yep. That's kind of an introduction. Uh, it goes along with my soap verse. So out of Exodus 4, I chose verse 1 as my soap. And so the verse again was, Then Moses answered the Lord and said, What if they will not believe me or take seriously what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And my observation is this, is what if? Like, what if... Instead of Moses asking that question, what if he just trusted God and then the people did believe him and he didn't have to do all of these like tricks, you know, like throw the staff, do this, turn the water into blood, do this. And I just wonder for myself personally, like my application is like hear the voice of God, obey him and trust him and do what he says. And I know that's very simple, but I think the Bible the Christian life, the spiritual disciplines, all of those things are so simple. They all boil down to trust God. <laughs> Literally, all we have to do is trust him, believe who he says he is. But then I thought it was so sweet of God to be like, I wish he would just trust me. But he didn't get mad at him in that moment. He gave him major grace and was like, no, I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you not once or twice, but three times. I will give you three things to prove to people, even though all I needed, all I needed was my word and all I needed was your obedience. But even then there's grace in those moments. And I just thought that was really cool. And even, you know, even though Moses questioned God a lot because he continued to question him and we can talk about some of those verses as well, God was super patient and he went above and beyond. I feel like what he needed to do. Well, no, I mean, I, I see it as God working within our weakness and Moses, he had, he had doubts, yeah. he had fear and it was, he doubted himself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's part of Moses journey was he was very prideful at one point and he went to free his people. He saw a, uh, 
he saw a taskmaster, yeah. Egyptian taskmaster, hurting a slave, and he killed him. Mm-hmm. And then the Egyptian or the uh, Israelites pointed that out, and he got scared, and he ran off to the wilderness for forty years. And so he, I mean, he was came off pretty arrogant, and now he's been humbled. Mm-hmm. And he also deals with fear and with doubt, and he's had some past experiences. Yet God walks him through that past, and even. Even when he doubts God, it says the Lord's anger was kindled against him, right? Where does that say that at? Um, verse 14. 14. The Lord's anger burned against Moses, as he said. So he's like, all right, you're going to be my uh, spokesperson. And he's like, <laughs> but I'm not eloquent. And he's like, who gave human beings mouths? Like I did. It's like the best drop the mic. There's you know, only drop the mic things like, from the Bible. I'll help you speak and I'll teach you what to say. Yep. He's like coaching him up and he's like, partner servant, Lord, please send someone else. Yeah. And even God's after like, that. God's like, what? And he's, you know, the anger begins to burn. And even in his anger, I have to wonder about the Lord's anger in this because, ah, uh, what about your brother? Let's, let me help you again. I know, instantly. His anger actually led to him helping. Was, was yeah. God angry at Moses' condition, the fact that he was so full of doubt and he was, you know, so just broken down. You know, I don't I don't know what he was angry at angry at, but his God's anger did not lead in that moment to wrath and destruction. Mm-hmm. It led to another answer. So he goes, fine. I'll get your uh your brother, mm-hmm. Aaron. And uh I'll get I'll get him going. I'll give you the words. You tell him what to say. And he'll say it. Okay, how's that? He still chose to use him, which I think is amazing. And so just a revelation of God's faithfulness and grace. How many chances did he have? You know, and I think to me, I wrote about verse 10 was even after God offered not one or two, but three signs, Moses still had excuses and refused to trust. And, you know, Moses not only seemed like an unlikely candidate for liberating an entire people group, he was a murderer, like you mentioned. And he was also stubborn. And like you said, used to be very prideful. He said himself he was slow of speech and scared. And overall, doesn't seem very willing. But this should make us see that God can use anyone. And we should be incredibly encouraged by this. Yeah, no, it's good because Moses was chosen by birth. To be to be spared, mm-hmm. he was chosen by birth, and he made a lot of mistakes, and he was disobedient to God, and you know he was full of fear and doubt, and you know then God comes in and he's even like, all right, Moses, I got you, burning bush, let's go. He's talking to God, number one. Okay, so you're having a full on conversation with the Lord, and and you're like doubting still. You know, and so Moses is just constantly making mistakes, yet God uses him. And I just, you know, I was chosen by birth, but how many mistakes have I made getting to the point where I'm at today? Or, you know, you were chosen by birth and you've made mistakes along the way, yet God continued to seek you out. God continued to forgive. He continued to extend grace, continued to offer mercy. He, the Bible says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And we've got to say that because as people, we will leave and we will forsake too much, too many times. In a heartbeat. <laughs> too many times. Yeah. Too many times we walk away, especially with from the Lord and our faith, those types of things. We, we operate in doubt. And we, we make mistakes and all these things. 
And God says, I know you will leave. You're going to forsake me, but I'll never leave you. Mm-hmm. I'll never forsake you. In fact, in several places, but in Romans specifically, the Bible says that why we were powerless and why we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so our relationship with God, even more than Moses got to experience, is not based on our works, but based on our faith, our faith in Jesus and the grace that he gives us to operate in that faith. That's what our life's dependent on now, now even more because Jesus has covered our sin. Like Moses, he's under a, you know, the Old Testament covenant. Mm-hmm. They're, they're still operating in works. They're operating under a different law, a different set of parameters. But even in the middle of that different set of parameters, God's still extending grace. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because God wants to save the Israelites. It isn't just about Moses. Yeah. I mean, it's about his people. And it's the same for us. It isn't just about you or me. It's about saving the world. Mm-hmm. So it isn't just for your sake, although it, we, we want to think that. Like, it's just for me, Lord. It's not just for you. It is for you. But it's also for the whole world. That's yeah. why God continues to, to move and lean on you because he knows that you following him will make a difference in the world. You'll change this planet and people will come to Christ if you will follow him. Yeah. And he's faithful to pursue and not give up on us, which is so good. Verse 13, we talked about it a little bit already, but it's when Moses again said, um, please, my Lord, send the message of rescue to Israel by someone else, whomever else you will choose. And just that thing about please use someone else. I mean, I think I've, I've definitely been there to be like, God, just use someone else. <laughs> Pick someone else. Don't make me do it. Don't make me do those hard things and maybe get out of my comfort zone. But what I have learned over and over and over again is if God gives you an assignment, it means you can trust him to give you everything that you need to accomplish it. In fact, if it's from God, you should kind of feel like you don't have it, what it takes because you don't. Because like you said, in our weakness, he is made strong. It's never by our might or power. The Lord says it's by his spirit. And he wants us almost in this place of dependence. So if you feel like you've been tasked with something or God's given you an idea to do something, or even if it's as simple as reaching out to a family member or friend that you don't think is going to receive you or receive the message of grace or receive an encouraging word, whatever it is, if you feel like you can't do it on your own, that's good. Because then that means you're going to rely on God, which is right where he wants us to be. And that's you know, we're in the right place. I like that. And what I like too is after God continues to use Moses, he says this in verse 15, he says, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. And, you know, this is a Old Testament promise, but this is an eternal promise as well um, because God promises us through the Bible consistently through you know, all the different phases and different seasons. And so no matter your perspective on the word of God, you can find in the New Testament, ask for wisdom and I'll give it to you liberally without reproach in James. Jesus says that um, when you go to speak before kings, whatever, before authorities, I will give you the words to say. I'll, you know, he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us um, to with confident hope. Um, I mean, there's so many verses in the Bible that God promises us to promises to us to be there with us, mm-hmm. to give us the wisdom, to give us the words to say, you know. And so maybe this is an encouraging word for you today that when you get into a place where you know you're going to have to trust God and what to do, 
if you trust him and if you lean on him, he will give you the words to say. You know, I was in a court case, uh, oh, I'd say like 12 years ago, somewhere around that time. And somebody, uh, I was a character witness for them. And it was uh, something I'd never done before. And I didn't know what to say. And so I I didn't just ask for wisdom from the Lord. I actually asked wisdom from my dad because um, my dad's been to court a few times and has done these types of things before with like being a character witness and he's a pretty sharp guy. And so, you know, here I am trying to figure this out. No experience. What would you say? My dad gave me the words to say if I, I basically rationalize, if he asks me this question, I will not know what to say. Mm-hmm. Right. And the question was something to the effect of should this person be punished if they're found guilty of this crime? And I'm like, I don't know. Should they be? Should they be? Shouldn't they? I don't know. Like, ugh. And so I'm like, yes, but no, no, but yeah, you know, whatever. So I was able, when the judge asked me that question, be, I was able to answer in that moment um, because I'd asked for wisdom and I asked for my dad. And you know what? When your dad's not around, when your mentors aren't around, when your you know wise old uncle or aunt's not around, God will give you those words he, despite who's around you, whether they're around or not. And he can actually use them to give you those words. He, they can share words of wisdom that are coming from the Lord and from the Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you to lean into God when you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say. And if you're still struggling, reach out to somebody who would be considered a mentor who is also spiritual and have the same goals. And by spiritual with the same goals. I mean, they're a follower of Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and they put the word as the standard, reach out to somebody like that. And the words will be there. And I like that. He says, I'll use both of you. And yeah. it's like, God used both me and my dad in that case. God will use you. And maybe that other person as well. You also should maybe read your Bible because in here <laughs> is like mm. tons, like all the wisdom that you'll ever Proverbs. need. It's the Pro- book of wisdom. Literally. There's so much wisdom in here. And it is why we can take one chapter of the Bible and we can refer to all these other verses. That's because we've read our Bibles for decades and decades. And we've hidden, it says in the Bible, hide God's word in your heart. Because then when out of your heart, out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. And so what is in here is going to come out. And if, if you could, that's the end of the show. <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's and right. that's where we'll end the show. That's right. All right. Thanks for being a part of Morning Breath. We, we love it. And we'll see you next week. Bye. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. God bless you. 
Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility. Located in the Rockledge Vieira area, affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. We want to be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. The Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. East Coast Christian Center Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road Coco. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.